The COVID-19 crisis has left many people anxious and uncertain of their future. But for people living with a disability, this anxiety is exacerbated by the feeling that they are being left behind or ignored in government and community responses. Statistics show Indigenous Australians are twice as likely to have a disability than other Australians. Andrea Mason is the Commissioner for the Royal Commission into Violence, Abuse, Neglect and Exploitation of People with a Disability. So, Andrea, what are your primary concerns during this time? The Disability Royal Commission has raised its concern through a recent statement of concern that there were concerns being raised by members of the disability community that they weren't being heard and their issues weren't being considered or indeed voiced as part of the government's communication about the COVID-19 pandemic and how the plans of keeping people safe and well um, were inclusive of people with disabilities, including First Nations people with disabilities. So that statement of concern was released on the 26th of March and uh, very encouraged that since that time, there appears to have been an increased focus on the needs of people with disability with the plans around keeping our community safe in relation to the COVID-19 pandemic. So we welcome that. Um, We also welcome the government's new management and operational plan for people with disabilities. And obviously, First Nations people with disabilities are included in those plans, in those discussions. We really welcome that as well. Are there other strategies you'd like to see in place by the government? I think we need to have avenues for people with disabilities to have direct contact with trusted organisations who have very close working relationships and an understanding of the circumstances of people with disabilities, no matter where they live in Australia. And of course, First People Disability Network is the peak body for First Nations people. And so any resources that organisation, indeed all disability advocacy organisations can have to have direct contact with people with disabilities to hear how these plans are being rolled out, um, if they're meeting their needs, um, if there needs to be further adjustments. Of course, we have to be flexible and open to adjustments as plans are being rolled out because people have different circumstances, they live in different locations, so therefore the way supports are provided may be a little bit different. But I think that that's a really important resource in terms of knowing that the plans are hitting the mark, but also for disability advocacy groups to be able to continue their support for their members and for those in the community with disability. Indigenous Australians are disproportionately affected by disability and you've been such a strong advocate in this area. For people who aren't aware of just how disability plays out in the Indigenous community, are you able to give us a bit of a snapshot of some of the statistics? When I was growing up in South Australia, I actually was working for, they call them a central agency. I was working for the Commissioner for Public Employment, uh, effectively the old Public Service Board. And as a young person, Larissa, I was very interested in special measures that the South Australian Government was leading to help particular groups in the South Australian community in having much more of an equitable service and representation in the public service in South Australia. This was in the mid-80s. And there were four groups that came under these special programs. And the four groups, um, which would be no surprise to you, were women, 
people from culturally and linguistically diverse groups, First Nations people and people with disability. And it's interesting now that some 30 years later, these are the four groups that particularly need to be given special attention to during this COVID-19 pandemic, but indeed is being given special attention through the Disability Royal Commission in terms of reference. And we know that the representation of First Nations people um, with disability proportionally to the broader non-Indigenous community is higher. And so we need to really see this Royal Commission have a very strong legacy of change and reform so that that aspiration of wanting to have an equal life and to be able to live their lives well in the community with all the advantages are there, where it may not have been as fully advantaged or expressed in the last 30 years. So this is a really important opportunity for First Nations people generally, but particularly for First Nations people with disability. Obviously, the current health crisis that we're going through with COVID-19 is really putting a magnifying glass on a lot of issues. And I'm just wondering if you're able to share with us from the position you have leading the Royal Commission, some of the anecdotal accounts that you're hearing of how this pandemic is disproportionately affecting people with a disability. As you know, Aboriginal people live in very strong family groups and community groups. People may see that they live in what we would call as villages. And so in that context, being able to talk about the issues of violence, abuse, neglect and exploitation in the context of people living in very close, supportive, but almost reliant relationships can be difficult. For example, there was a recent publication which was generated to tell the stories around uh, First Nations families where children have autism The book is titled uh, We Take Care of Our Own and I think that that can be expressed generally across the First Nations community where families and communities do take a very strong lead in looking after family members with a disability. And so in that context, we're really wanting First Nations people to trust the Royal Commission to tell us those stories where they may in the past have a reluctance to or feel that things may not change, may they might not have seen things change in the past, improvement in services, improvement in advocacy, improvement in government investment in places where they live. But we're saying, please trust the Royal Commission to tell us your stories if, as First Nations people with disability, that you have experienced violence, abuse, neglect and exploitation in any life circumstance, whether it's at work or accommodation or in school or in in health, um, across any area. And uh, we know that First Nations people are severely disadvantaged. Um, We can just look at health as as an example to that. And so in this pandemic um, that we're experiencing at the moment, when we have First Nations people already experiencing concerning health, chronic disease, and we lay that on top of people with disabilities having particular health needs and concerns, then the pandemic is really something that is causing great concern in the First Nations community. So uh, recently here in uh, the Northern Territory, we heard uh, leaders talking about access to food out in remote communities through community stores and calling for essential items in stores to really not have their prices gouged because it's going to create more stress 
create more vulnerability with people not being able to access the nutrition that they need. And so you can include people with disabilities in that story because they are also living out in those communities. As if they don't have access to healthy food, then people's state of health, their wellness, their mental health starts to decline. And that's not what we want during this epidemic. So um, that's just one example. And obviously, that's right across people's whole life experiences. Discrimination and unconscious bias have also been identified as concerns. How does that play out and what can be done to alleviate it? In Australia, this issue of discrimination, particularly around racial discrimination, has long been a conversation. Often people have raised their experiences of being discriminated against because of their Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander heritage, but also they are discriminated against because of their disability. And so this is called the double disadvantage of people experiencing discrimination because of their disability and because of their race. And people can dismiss racism in Australia. That doesn't exist. What our Royal Commission wants to hear is from Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people if they have experienced discrimination on the basis of their race and discrimination. I've heard examples of this happening in people asking for help through the justice system and also through the emergency health system where people have sought help and they have been prejudged or they have been stigmatised and assumptions made about their call for help. And that stigmatisation has been completely wrong, that they are people with disability, but they were being stigmatised around being drunk or intoxicated. It's an example that I've heard not just once, but a few times talking to family members about their concerns about family members with disability and how they can be misunderstood as they go about their daily life in the broader community and therefore they don't get the help or the support or even just the respect that they should be afforded as members of the community. Access to healthcare, including prevention, screening and treatment for COVID-19 is a major barrier for those living in remote communities and also in rural communities. What are your thoughts on how we can address that access to healthcare? Um, We're really pleased that uh, NACHO, the National Aboriginal Community Control Health Organisation, is taking the lead in advocating for approaches for First Nations people in remote and regional communities to ensure that they are being well supported and kept safe during this COVID-19 pandemic. And as I said previously, we're really pleased that the government's new plan and operational plan for people with disability um, is being rolled out. And of course, those plans are being designed with the input and expertise of people with disability and their representative organisations. That's really important. So what we have to do now as Members of the community, as advocates, we have to monitor these plans to ensure they're meeting the needs of people with disability. So we would encourage people to provide that feedback to the Royal Commission because the issues paper that we have released recently on uh, emergency planning and response issues, we're very much encouraging the community to tell us about how the wellbeing and safety of people with disabilities are being considered and indeed included in planning in emergencies such as the COVID-19 pandemic and, of course, the recent bushfires. We really want to know how planning and thinking and involvement and implementation 
is being done, which includes the voices and knowledge and expertise of people with disability. We don't want to leave anybody behind. We don't want to leave anybody out in the way that planning is done. And so that emergency planning and response issues paper is to try and help the Disability Royal Commission understand how all governments are working together and are working consistently to ensure that First Nations people with disability, indeed all people with disabilities in Australia, are not being left behind, that they're very much at the centre of government planning. I just wanted to pick up one more point about the work of the Royal Commission because you've suspended public hearings, but you're obviously continuing to be incredibly proactive in this space. So can you just explain how the Royal Commission is going to continue to contribute to public dialogue on these issues moving forward, given all of the constraints you've got to work with? So, Larissa, you're right. We have suspended our public work. For example, we've suspended our public hearings community forums, community visits and private sessions. And that's really because of the advice from health experts around physical isolation, not social isolation. We really have to be proactive in maintaining social connection. But this is around keeping ourselves safe from the risk of people sharing this coronavirus. But we're still receiving submissions. So anyone can still share their story. We can do that by phone. We can receive submissions in writing and also through video, audio recording. So if people contact the Disability Royal Commission, the phone number is 1-800-517-199 or they can contact us through the email, which is drcinquiries at royalcommission.gov.au. Staff will be more than happy to assist anyone who would like to put in a submission to share their experiences of violence, abuse, neglect and exploitation that they've experienced. Indeed, carers, family members or advocates can share their stories as well. To date, we've had about 800 submissions, which is really fantastic. Of those 800, there are around 27 of those from First Nations people. And so we're really encouraging during this time when hopefully more people are online and are not as busy but can think about these issues, we're really encouraging them to put in their submission. We're also really keen to let people know that right now, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, we're not holding private sessions, but people can still register for a private session on our website. So we really encourage people to continue to engage with us. Our First Nations Indigenous Engagement Team, they are also contacting communities to have online sessions right across Australia in different locations. And so uh, hopefully people who are listening who are in communities and who have contact with organisations that are supporting people with disabilities, we uh, in the future will be making contact to have online meetings and discussions to really still connect with communities so that we can hear about their concerns and also as a way of encouraging people to put in a submission. And Andrea, just finally tonight, you've obviously done a lot of work in having to navigate the Royal Commission through this environment, but on a more personal level, obviously these changes are impacting all of us, the way we live, the way we connect to each other. How have you been adapting and what's been the impact Mm -hmm. on you and your family and how are you staying safe, healthy and sane? Yeah, Uh, I think I've taken up the opportunity of connecting with people online through Zoom and just taking um, those opportunities and being proactive in staying connected to people. As you know, Alice Springs is situated in beautiful country, um, the lands of the Aranda people here in Mabachua. 
that's the uh, central Arida name for Alice Springs. So often I go for a, a walk in the morning. There seems to be more birds in the air now there's less traffic and noise, um, which I just think is absolutely a wonderful way to focus for each day. So, um, so that's what I'm trying to do when I know that it's difficult time, but uh, I think that we're just really making the most of the situation and trying to stay connected as we possibly can with friends and family and work colleagues. Andrea, thank you so much for taking time with us tonight on Speaking Out and sharing what's happening with the Royal Commission. My pleasure. Andrea Mason is the Commissioner for the Royal Commission into Violence, Abuse, Neglect and Exploitation of People with a Disability. And just a reminder that if you or someone you know would like to contact the Commission, the phone number to call is 1800 517 199 or you can send them an email to the address drcinquiries at royalcommission.gov.au.